everyone, welcome to Eventually Super Train. I'm your main host, Dan, and this is a mini-sode, even though it's like 15 minutes long. It's a mini-sode covering the TV movie, The Night Stalker, precursor to the TV show, Kolchak, which we, we shall be covering on the main body of the show. The TV movies we're going to be doing separately here as, as mini-slash-maxi-sodes. But um, joining me again um, is Tim S. Turner who had joined me uh, last year to talk Nero Wolf. And so he's going to be joining me on this magical journey through uh, Kolchak. And let me just give you a little brief plot breakdown of the Night Star. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty well-known TV movie. It was one of the most uh, popular TV movies ever. What was it? Uh, what were the ratings? I am here. 33.2 rating and a 48 share. That's huge. This this was this was big big big. It had January eleventh, nineteen seventy two, ABC Movie of the Week, based on an unpublished at the time novel by Jeff Rice titled The Kolchak Papers or The Kolchak Tapes. Uh, the screenplay was Richard Matheson, directed by John Llewellyn Moxie, and of course starring Darren McGavin, Simon Oakland, Carol Lindley, Barry Atwater. And uh it's set in Vegas, and Darren McGavin plays Carl Kolchak, grizzled old reporter who is constantly um, arguing with his publishers, um, uh, Vincenzo, played by Simon Oakland, and in uh, and, and also um, Kolchak is also hanging out with his girlfriend, Carol Lindley, who does some sort of work at the casinos. And uh, there are a lot of other great um, cast members in this, which we will discuss um, in detail, so I, w I won't go too far into that here. But suffice to say that the movie is about um, strange vampire-like killings happening in Vegas to uh, women, and uh, Kolchak begins to investigate along with the police, and Kolchak, because convinced that it is a vampire they're dealing with, or someone who thinks he or she is a vampire. Now, of course, the bureaucracy thinks he's nuts, but Kolchak is going to follow his nose for news, even if it gets him killed. So this is about him trying to hunt down a gentleman named Skorzeny, played by Barry Atwater, who may or may not be a very, very old vampire. And I'll leave it at that, because I think most of you are probably very familiar with it. So let's, uh, let's, uh, let me give you a little blast of music, and we shall begin, uh, Tim and myself discussing The Night Stalker. The Night Stalker, everybody. I'm sure most of you have seen it, most of you are familiar with it. This is probably out of all the shows we've talked about, maybe except for Police Squad. This is probably sort of the show, um, maybe in the in sort of pop culture-y the most. I mean, certainly Future Cop uh, wouldn't be uh, the most popular of all of the ones I've talked about, or Beyond Westworld. Well, Beyond Westworld had the Westworld theme, but no one's seen Beyond Westworld all the way through except me and, like, two other people, um, which is probably a good thing. Anyway, Night Stalker, here we are. Um, we're going to, uh, obviously what's going to happen is this will be a little standalone, talking Night Stalker. Then uh, yeah, soon after this we'll have Night Strangler, and then we're diving right into the actual show itself, the 20 episodes of Kolchak. And I brought back on board a gentleman um, who uh, we, we maneuvered our way through the brownstone, uh, last year, 2020, um, in the land of Nero Wolf, and he is back to join me talking some Kolchak, and specifically Night Stalker right now, Mr. Tim S. Turner. Tim, how are you today, sir? I'm coming back in style. Coming back in <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, let me, um, let, let's just start off with what, um, uh, what, uh, your, your viewing history with Kolchak. What, um, do you have one? Is this your first time? I don't think it's your first time watching it, but what, what is your history with Kolchak? This this probably be uh, something that makes my, uh, people question my mother's parenting. Uh, I watched <laughs> this when it first aired, and I was wow. uh, five years old. 
<laughs> and I also watched uh, the sequel and of course the series. So I, I was I was a little kid watching this stuff. Um and I absolutely loved it. It was one of those things when you're a little kid, you'll see something that scares the crap out of you, but you'll still watch it. And uh, I would have my mom, like when the show would come on, I'd have her turn it on for me because I was too scared to turn the channel. Uh, you know, back when you actually had to turn the channel. Uh, <laughs> and I would go hide across the room, you know, and, and then watch it from behind the uh, the recliner. But yeah, I've been a huge fan That's of this awesome. show for forever. Oh, wow! I did not know it was that far back. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, I <coughs> pardon me now, folks. I will say this: I <clears throat> throughout this recording, I will be eating a bagel. <laughs> and you tell you tell me when I've just had some bagel. I'll tell you right now. I just had some because <coughs> I got a poppy seed caught in my throat. I ain't gonna let it get me down though. I'm going to keep pushing ahead like Kolchak does. I think I first heard, I think it, I think it was probably Stephen King, Dance Macabre. Mm-hmm. I think he he mentions it in there, and he mentions the movie's really, really good, but then the series going downhill because it's just like every supernatural force you can think of attacking Kolchak in Chicago over and over again. And I think if you can set that <clears throat> set that aside when you're watching the show, it's a super fun show to watch, but there there are occasional moments where you think, hmm. Uh, well, this is something to talk about when we go into the show, which is which is why like a show like like X Files, you know, succeeds a bit more than Kolchak because they can go outside of Washington D.C. But um, I first read about it there, and I um, I think it was through Columbia House when they used to put uh, TV shows out on VHS. Yeah, two episodes per, per tape. Yes, and they did. They did. Um, yeah, they were doing the nights. And you, you, your first, um, the first tape was Night Stalker. Next one was Night Strangler, and then the next one, and then the next ten were the twenty episodes of the show. And I didn't get all the way through them because I was getting a bit fatigued by it. What Stephen King had said. Maybe I'm too impressionable. Um, <laughs> but I made it about halfway through, and then I remember it was either 2003 or 2004. I was. I had really gotten into the X-Files, and someone had told me, well, if you're watching that, you should watch Kolchak. And I was like, you know, I started watching that like 10 years ago. It didn't get very far. And that was around the time that they put the series out on the, you know, the double-sided discs on mm-hmm. the DVD set. Where's the Blu-ray set for the series, if I Thank may you. ask? Yeah. Because, um, <clears throat> well, we'll talk about the, the movies and the Blu-rays uh, in a moment. But I, I remember we were in, my wife and I were in, Fairfield, Connecticut. It was Christmas time. We were visiting her family. We went to a Barnes and Noble in downtown Fairfield, and on the shelf they had for sale the Kolchak set. And then, like, you know, on the next shelf over they had the the MGM release of the two TV movies. So I said, "To hell with that!" And I just picked them up, bo- picked both of them up, <laughs> and like over the next week, just tore through them and had a great time. And since then, I I still have those. I've obviously <laughs> I've upgraded the movies. But I still have the um, the DVD set, and um, I quite enjoyed. Probably once every couple years, I start at Night Stalker and I go all the way through uh, the twenty episodes, um, and uh, it's a good time. Uh, so let's let's uh, let's just let's dive right in because I think um, I, I mentioned in the in the opening when I gave the plot breakdown that I've talked about this in detail, this Night Stalker in detail once before with Amanda and Nate over on Made for TV Mayhem show. So if you listen to that, you'll probably hear me saying the same things. Um, 
but or maybe you won't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe maybe I've got a whole new a series of revelations, but probably not. But let's see what happens. So 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 Tim, what um what I mean, just I know I know we both like this movie. Um, but 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 give me your your overall thoughts on it. Um, some things you like, some things you don't like, maybe or whatever. We'll just we'll just get it rolling. Oh man, well where to start? Uh, I adore this film. I, I've always loved it, and I think as, as I got older, I was able to appreciate it on you know on a different level than when I was a kid. Um, I love the fact, and this is something that carried over into the sequel and also into the series, is so many great character actors just crammed in there. And um, in theory, I bet on paper, uh, Carl Kolschak is a really unlikable character. I, he just—he's such an arrogant brusque. Uh, yeah. He does—he doesn't care about anybody else as long as he's getting that story, mm-hmm. and uh, which is even pointed out to him. It's like, oh, this is just—you don't care about her. It's just a byline to you. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow he makes him absolutely charming, <clears throat> and you root for him, even though you know his his motivation really isn't. Oh, I've got to save. Las Vegas. It's really more like this is going to get me back uh, to the big time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to get back into New York City and uh, get my own byline. And and I, I think he's just he's wonderful. He he is Carl Kolschak, despite that terrible remake series they did uh, in the 2000s. Um, I know a lot of people when they think Darren McGavin, they go, "Oh, it's the old man from A Christmas Story," which is great. It's a great performance, but this is where my mind immediately goes: is Carl Kolschak. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think it's got a great uh, girlfriend character with the yes. Carol Lindley. I mm-hmm. love her in this. She's very natural. You believe that she would be in love with Carl, mm-hmm. despite his flaws, and they have a really great. Uh, natural chemistry um, of course you know Simon Oakland uh, who went on to the series I, I, poor poor Tony yeah. <laughs> you know that guy must have like an ulcer the size yes. of a, a, a yep. softball uh, <laughs> dealing with Carl mm-hmm. uh, he's, he looks like he's always on the verge of a stroke um, <laughs> and then everybody else that's in it Ralph Meeker, Claude Akins, Charles McGraw Kent Smith, Elisha Cook uh, great actors, a lot of fun. Uh, even young Larry Linville, yes, pre Mash, yes. yeah, yeah. playing ironically a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think the thing that the two things that make this succeed are are both McGavin's performance and the way they approach it in, in an almost documentary style mm-hmm. that really makes it feel like. Uh, like this is real, like this could be yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. It, it's all done in um, a reporter's uh, style with uh, his narration. I, I think that's probably why this thing was such a big hit is because it felt real to people. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I, I'm I'm a huge a huge fan of it too. I love you know I love uh, some John Llewellyn Moxie any day mm-hmm. of the any day of the week. And I think um right before this he had made uh, or maybe it was right after. I think it was right after he made Escape with Christopher George, which is forever one of my all-time favorite TV movies also. Um, this this is better than Escape, although Escape is nuttier. This is this is a better movie overall. And um, I, I do love, like you said, part of the, the joy of the movie is that it, it 
it feels like a very realistic kind of report, tough reporter going after the story. It's just the story involves someone who may or may not be a vampire. And I, lo- I love that. I've loved that. I love the, that sort of concept since I was a kid. I love it now. Just the sort of um, intrusion upon Vegas and this sort of, you know, arguing with the editor and getting in trouble with the police. But mixed in with it all is this man with these dark eyes who is a vampire, you know? And, and I, I just, I, it's, there, there, there's something to it that even, even though, even though, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a very old movie. Um, it still feels, especially on the Blu-ray, where it looks gorgeous. Oh, the it, Blu-ray is just beautiful. Oh my God, it looks like candy. All the, all the, um, uh, the, the that o- the opening scene with the the first woman who's killed, the one who goes down the alley, um, that when she's walking in front of all the um all the neon lights and everything. Oh my gosh, it looks like you you could eat them. It's just oh, yeah. it, it it looks incredible, and it never. Um, I mean, it's obviously the early seventies, but it it it, it feels as it feels sort of timeless in the story it's telling. And this is, was the time, too, when they were kind of updating all the, the vampire tropes. You had your Count Yorga, your Blackula's on the horizon. Grave of the Vampire was somewhere around here. You know, and um, and this is just another updating of the, the vampires. I think, like, probably, I, probably, I bet you could probably kind of look around. Obviously, Christopher Lee's Dracula uh, would shortly go to, you know, the swinging... Well, a swing in early seventies in in Britain, <laughs> um, but the uh, but yeah, I think if you yeah. pro- probably like once or once like every ten years, I don't know, because I was thinking at the end of the seventies, there's also a big Dracula thing too, just like kind of here at the start of the seventies, there is. I wonder if like every ten, if you look like maybe every ten years or so, everyone goes vampire crazy. I don't know, I'm making that up, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, there there is something about it. I mean, yeah yeah yeah. Um, uh, Darren McGavin is just fantastic, and like you said, there is something. Um, even when he's sort of at his most kind of jerky or even smug, like um like like during during the scene where he's um he's convinced he's convincing the um the government guys or the the um the the sheriff and the mayor and the whoever and the haha and the what the guys uh to to take the stakes and to treat him like a vampire. Um, it's sort of there's his his sort of he's very kind of um smug throughout oh, yeah. that scene uh, super <laughs> smug and he and actually it's kind of his smugness that's his kind of his downfall in that scene because he's like he's being so smug that he can't quite see like that you know he's screwed no matter what he does <laughs> yeah yeah and he he's just so excited that he is is right and i love i love too that he um the 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 sort of the, the treatment of you know just like um you know, okay, we we have to treat him like he's a vampire, whether or not he is. He thinks he is, so we have to treat him as such. And and um, there's yeah, there's some, there's something great about culture. And and too, like like I always say, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Carol Lindley fan. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, like whatever you know, and and she like in um in uh, the Immortal, the Christopher George series from around this time, she's in the she's the love interest for Christopher George's character in the TV movie and the first episode of the series. And it's sort of like, you know, whoever Carol Lindley kind of likes, you know, even in like, um, you know, well, he was already a lovable character. I was going to say even in like Poseidon Adventure, you know, if you didn't like Red Button's character, you got to <laughs> love him the moment, you know, her character kind of gloms onto him and he saves her over and over again. You know, it's it's like, it's it's one of those things like, you know, if she likes him, if she likes Carl, then 
there's no reason for me not to like Carl, too. She's convinced me because I like her. I don't know if that quite makes sense, but you know, it's it's a uh, you know, it's like if there's if there's a if there's a band that you're not sure you want to listen to, and then someone whose taste you trust says, "Oh yeah, they're good," you go, "Okay, I'm going to try them." Just <laughs> the same way here, you know, Carl may be a bit of a jerk sometimes, and he may care more about the story than anything else, and he may be s- smug when he kind of gets his thinks he's getting his way, you know. But um, if she, you know, if she likes him, then I like him too. So yeah, and the script, oh, she's sorry, great. Um, mm-hmm. Because her character, uh, she does not laugh at him. She not only does she go along with it, she buys him the book mm. that uh, helps him understand vampires so he can stop the guy. And uh, she's 100% all in. There's never a point where she's like, oh my God, you're an idiot. You know, yeah. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that's why her character is so uh, interesting. Even though, let's be honest, I mean she's the you know stock girlfriend character of the hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, she really she pulls her weight in it. She you know she helps with his investigation. Yes. And uh, that's why what happens at the end is is kind of sad. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost I almost wish like there had been. Like if 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 the show had gone on past the season, it would have been nice to see her like return. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he maybe he finds her somewhere or something like that. Maybe 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 they do like a like a thing in like in Spider Man when you thought Gwen Stacy was dead, and then suddenly she came back. <laughs> and you and you know I think I, I forget when that was, but that was like the sometime in the seventies I think, but yeah. sometime around here. You know and and you know maybe it's a clone or something of of you know maybe it's someone's trying to get to Carl. And um, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe in the end, like Carl, there's something in Carl's DNA or something that, you know, just in the same way that the doctor in Doctor Who always seems to land somewhere where something's going on, you know, where Carl is, that's where the supernatural goes. So maybe, maybe in a future season, there would have been, you know, a cloned Carol Lindley who we thought was real and maybe she is, maybe she isn't. And I don't know. We'll talk about this later. We'll make up our (laughs) own. I'm sure we've all made up our own Carl stories. We'll talk about them. It's too it's too early for me to go there right now, but um, but yeah yeah she's she's um, uh, she's I love um I actually have it playing right here in, in, in just the uh, one of my favorite scenes the hospital sequence where the vampire beats the crap mm-hmm. out of it it's it's so it's um it's it's very it's I, I think I think the first time I saw that scene I was surprised just because sort of t- to me. I, I, I when I first saw this, I was still very new to the world of like TV movies, and seeing a sequence like that with so many people and like, people getting thrown out of windows, thrown into cars, motorcycles skidding out, craziness, this guy getting shot. It was just like kind of like much larger and much more sort of kinetic. I don't know, that's not the word, but you know, crazier and energ- energetic than uh, I kind of expected from a TV uh, movie. It's really a hell yeah, of a that, scene. Yeah, that scene, actually, that, that, that bit with, uh, where it's it's not one take, but it's, 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 it's like, Almost. I think, three three cuts, mm-hmm. uh, where you see the motorcycle uh, almost hit uh, one of the cops. Yes, and it skids yeah. On it. It, it almost looks like it's a, a, a stunt that went awry. Yeah, yeah, it And does. they just left it in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Which makes it more exciting because it's more chaotic that way, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, the cop. They don't. It's 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 where I mean I will say there there is the the thing where like after that scene and then the scene at the swimming pool, um, there's something like this strange sort of denial that the police have. Like don't you know like 
I, I don't I don't know that they'd be able to count, but surely when they're like a dozen cops shooting at this guy over and over and over again, you know how can there be any you know because it, it, any any um you know like uh did you miss you know it's <laughs> like it, it's like all I can think of right now is um Mr. Mr. Pither and Monty Python when the mm-hmm. firing squad ready aim fire. Psh! How could you miss? I don't know. He moved. Um, you know, that's like, it's sort of, uh, um, you know, Carl's like, I saw, you know, they shot him like 20 or 30 times. What are you talking about? You know, it's like, yeah, we saw it too. You know, it happened. I mean, it's, it's, it is strange that, um, I guess that's just, why would they downplay it with, I don't know. I don't know where my mind is wandering right there, but it's, it's just sort of strange to me that like after that sequence, and after the swimming pool sequence, everyone in charge is still a bit reticent to say something weird's going on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what more they need. Yes. Uh, other than to actually have him like with his fangs into somebody at the moment. Um, yes. But uh, this is this is uh, the the blueprint for the series to come. With yeah. you know all the authorities uh, have have two things in common. Uh, one, uh, they don't believe anything that's happening, and two, they hate Carl. <laughs> Because he's a huge pain in the ass, and he's always sticking his nose in, and he's got all the answers, and of course, he's very smug about having all the answers and how stupid they are. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, oh God, I, I love the guys that they have um, as the authorities with Aikens and um, mm-hmm. uh, Charles McGraw and Kent Smith. Uh, really, it, it, they they do such a great job with. Just, uh, and Aikens in particular just looks like he's going to deck Carl at any yes. given yeah, yeah. <laughs> moment. Um, I, I, you know, as a big fan of Kiss Me Deadly, I love seeing Ralph mm-hmm. Meeker in this. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that's great with his character, um, the FBI guy, um, Bernie Jenks, is he's on Carl's side. Mm-hmm. And he's got his back for, like, 99% of it. It's that 1% that screws him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, and like, because he comes out and he's and he tells the cops, he's like, you know, I've been up all night researching this. Yes. This guy's over a hundred something years old. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been killing people since like eighteen whatever, and you know, and the cops just kind of are like, uh, yeah, uh, you know, damn yeah. it. You know? <laughs> it, it is it is clever that they they have the FBI guy do that portion of it. Yeah. Um, because if it was Carl, they could just get him out of here. But because it's the FBI guy, and yeah. he's just when, when they kind of looking, they look at him a bit askance. He just kind of looks at his papers, and goes, "What do you want? It's right here. What do you? It's, 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 I got it. We got it. This is this. Is the, these are the facts, man. These are the facts. Come on." Yeah, I I, I think I, I I love Meeker, and and he's it's great because he joins in in the big finale on yes, um, of course, yeah, stopping the vampire. Uh, which by the way. There's a fantastic shot of him holding the uh, silver cross with the light glinting off it and yeah. the light blinding him uh, as it's shining in his eyes. It's a great shot. I don't don't know why I'm bringing that up, but it, it, it yeah. just it always impresses me every time I see it because it just looks so cool. There's uh, I you first see Carl driving in his convertible. Mm-hmm. His hat is enormous. <laughs> it's this enormous straw hat with this huge brim. <laughs> and then the rest of the series and the rest of the movie, it's this, it's a little, you know, like a, a one of those little hats that you would have seen like uh, like Sinatra wear or something. Yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that. 
Oh yeah, go watch it when he's driving. It, the first time you see him, he's driving his convertible, and it's an enormous, almost sombrero-like <laughs> brim on it. <laughs> and then you never see it again. Oh, I didn't notice. I'm gonna look something to look for, folks. Something to look for. We can all you can always find something. And There's think, always something. I think that's because part of it's because of the the great restoration of those Kino yeah. uh, Blu-rays. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. You know, because you can see the stripes in his seersucker suit. Yes. Um, there's so many details that I didn't notice before. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the one of the great things too is like sometimes you would get um, on DVD, maybe even on VHS, but on DVD because um, I see this sometimes when I watch Green Acres and Oliver's wearing a suit with like stripes. You'll get like a strobing effect mm-hmm. sometimes on it. And the great thing about the Blu-ray is that you there's no you know in his suit with all the stripes there's never any strobing effect because my wife whenever we watch Green Acres and he's wearing Oliver's wearing one of those suits she's like oh no he's wearing one of his sci-fi suits again because yeah. it's just like it, it it goes all weird and just looking at his seersucker suit it, with the stripes and everything here he looks it looks good it looks so great they they did such a nice job with it and of course. Um, the uh, the depth. I mean, the 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 sequence with the um, the woman who's been thrown into the center of the construction site mm-hmm. looks sort of like deeper and larger than ever. Now, that's a, and that's a great scene, by the way. One of it's, one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, I remember as a kid watching it. And if you were, if you watch older TV movies, uh, you know they tend to be a little mild in their thrills and. This, both this and uh, Night Strangler have scenes in it that are very violent, uh, especially for that time, and uh, genuine terror on the faces of these women, because yes. always, it always seems to be women in these, um, you know, because uh, I don't know why, I guess, because they think they know. make good victims, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like Dario Argento, he just he just thinks uh, you know Argento just thinks uh, he he prefers to kill women because he, yeah, he, yeah he says beautiful women he'd rather see yeah, beautiful yes, women yes, kill. Yes. Like, and wow. I suppose I mean I suppose if it was like you know if it was just like if everyone who was killed in this looked like Claude Akins I love Claude what yeah. a butt what a butt on that guy but maybe in the end you know you want something maybe a little, little variety or something yeah um, I I think that. Uh, one of the great things with it, this is only it's not even an hour and 15 minutes i think it's 74 minutes yeah um it's so taut and, and there's no fat on it uh every scene is you know crucial to what's going on it it moves so quickly i was watching it last night and uh i looked at the clock and it's like oh wow it's almost over i couldn't believe yeah, that it, it, how, how quickly yeah. it went yeah, it's really nicely paced and a um, really yeah sharply scripted, nicely paced. I mean, Matheson, Matheson, Moxie, McGavin. There you go, the three M's. <laughs> the three M's. That's what you need. And Dan Curtis. Hi, I'm Dan Curtis. Enjoy my movie. <laughs> uh, uh, oh yeah, the yeah the uh, I just that 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 scene with the woman at the construction site just has one of those um, uh, just just the way Darren McGavin delivers the line. You know, like what did he do? Throw her? is always just like one of those I just love the way he delivers that and like the sort of what you're thinking when it starts and it it seems it does it seems a little out of place for that vampire doesn't it that he'd like he drain her blood and then just for fun whoosh, see how far he could throw her <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i liked the ambiguity of that because it was like how did, that happened yeah yeah did he throw her or did he 
fly? We, yeah, did he fly? Because we don't know. We never get that far into the vampire aspect of things mm-hmm. because, like, when he he drives the stake into him, he clearly did not disintegrate or yes. anything. Mm-hmm. You know, which, of course, helped them with their little murder charge, uh, even though they did end up cremating the body, mm-hmm. uh, as, the, as stated at the end. I, I did like that we're able to connect this uh, with an episode of the series proper uh, oh, with yes. that one of his victims they never discovered mm-hmm. and she comes out kind of like gunning for Carl I guess but uh, now, now do, do we know which do we see that because I, 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 I haven't watched that episode in about a year or so do we because I at the end of the episode there's a question I have that maybe I missed the answer to and I'll ask it in a little bit. Maybe you have the same question when you get to the okay. end that I have. Um, because the one, obviously, Carl asks is, why did they immediately cremate all the bodies if they didn't think they were vampires? Um, uh, and um, but but I'll, I'll ask. I, I've got I've got a question. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask in a minute. And maybe it's something that was answered and I just missed it. But it was something when I was on my walk this morning, just thinking about this. I got to the end and I thought, wait a minute, what happened? Huh. So I'll ask in a moment, but um, <laughs> uh, and I'll, it's, it's a little cliffhanger, folks. Leave you hanging. But um, uh, so so what? I mean, there's there's so much to, to love in this episode. I mean, uh, in this movie, I think um, I, I I I really do think like if you're going to, I mean, there are obviously more serious films you could TV movies you could show people. But um, if you're going to introduce someone in the world of TV movies, why be serious? World serious enough? Show them the Night Stalker. I mean, I th- I think when we started Made for TV Mayhem show, my top three were Night Stalker, Satan's Triangle, and I think the House on Green Apple Road. Mm. I, I could be mm. wrong, but then no, those are th- still three of my favorites. No Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. I th- I think uh, I th- I think either Nate or Amanda took Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, and we were trying not to. Um, step on each other's toes. I could be wrong ah. on that. I could be wrong on that. Because that, that would be up there, too. Definitely. That that would be up there. And Escape, you know, es- Escape is not one of the best TV movies of all time. I I will defend it all day long. I wish there was a TV show based off of it, and The Magician doesn't count, because I would love to talk about Escape. Um, but um, maybe I'll do a minute-by-minute minute Escape. There you go. Minute-by-minute. Minute. Uh, first TV movie, minute-by-minute. Minute. There you go. Um but uh, but I mean the thing with the Night Stalkers is just I, I think it's something you I mean uh, I mean unless you you have someone who's going to sit there the whole time going Haha, that's the seventies <laughs> that car's from the seventies <laughs> you know unless you have a jackass like that I think this is something especially with the Blu-ray that you could show anybody and I think it holds up really well um, and even 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 down to the you know the final sequence in the house I mean the thing I love about that sequence in the house in the end is that for about 10 minutes you're in like the darkest, dankest place in the world. But it's the middle of the day. The sun's still out. It, and there's something about like when you get inside that house, suddenly like all the light is... Oh, what it would have to be. But, you, but I, I love the fact that it's so... Just this... Like at the end of like a cul-de-sac or wherever it is, there's just this house that... Um, that's a serial killer style house is what is sort of what it is. Well, yeah. And it's just... And it's just... It's, it's so... Um, so... So... Um, I mean, I, I do love, something that I, I do love is when they can sort of, you know, we know it's still bright outside, but we forget, well, I forget, I always forget that as we're going along until the very end. 
and um, but I do, I do like a sort of horror movie that can pull off like stuff when it's the, the, the movie I always, I always go to is uh, what is it the Redeemer Clash Reunion Massacre uh, yes. that takes that takes place during the middle of the day a bright day but they're trapped inside that school and it's it's you know even though like through the windows you can see light it's still like a dark and dank and and scary place and yeah. I always appreciate I always appreciate where they could do the scares in the day. Um, not yeah, great. One of the scariest oh. sequences in that is where they're up against, they're trying to get out, and there's the 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 killer is wearing that Grim Reaper outfit. Yes, he's and outside. he's like smashing up against this, the fence and laughing and yeah. laughing, and it's like God. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, there's. I mean, we we could legitimately go on for probably longer than the length of the movie. About, uh, I mean, how how good it is. I think. I think this is just this is just one of those. This is like I said. If if you if if someone wants to be welcomed into the world of made for TV movies, this is one of like four or five that I would show them. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. And um, and there's oh boy, I've got a plane right here right now, and the um, all the uh, the guys in charge are given um, given a uh, cold check the. Uh, the all their the ultimatum will use them, but uh, you're not going to kill anyone, and da 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 da. No one will shake his hand, and he's. It's just oh, Carl. Carl yeah, Carl, it's, Carl. it's 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 a great scene because like his hubris will not allow him to see that. Oh, by the way, they're going to screw you. Yes, <laughs> and look, and it's just the way that like the the one the way the one cop yeah is just looking at him. At the you know yeah. take it or leave it Kolchak and he looks around at all of them and they're all just looking at him it's like oh boy you don't want Claude Aikens giving you that face you no. want you want Claude Aikens giving like the face like he has so they could move it on or maybe a Sheriff Lobo face but you don't <laughs> from his own series not when he was on B J and the Bear he was a little meaner when he was on B J and the Bear um, um, I'll tell you one of one of my favorite moments in this is at the, the very end when he goes to see Vincenzo and um, you know Vincenzo you can tell he knows that what's going to happen mm-hmm. he knows that not only is Carl fired but that he's going to be run out of town mm-hmm. and he stops him when he's leaving the room and he's, he's like there's no irony there's no humor in it or anything he just looks at him he says you're a, you're a damn good reporter Yes, and yeah. he goes, "Oh, thanks." And he's kind of, you know, you know, and he leaves, uh-huh. you know. But it's a great scene because, like, mm-hmm. you can see that Vincenzo does respect him. He's just a mm-hmm. pain in his ass. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and the, and that final scene when they're throwing him out of town, and like suddenly the door opens, and there's there's a cop with all of his belongings, including his typewriter. And there's something, uh, and and it, there's something about like, while he was out trying to, you know, um, you know, wrap everything up, you know, they sent someone to his apartment, and had them, you know, and I guess fit everything into like two suitcases and the and the typewriter <laughs> thing. I mean, it's it's funny too the thought that did they, how much did did it did they leave stuff behind? Was that all he had? I don't was it, see Carl as having a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't see, yeah, definitely the typewriter, his recorder, his his, his micro cassette recorder, um, and a couple of changes of clothes. Really, that's kind of all I think. I, I loved his uh, how his um, 
typewriter was you know which was in one of those old style if I, yes this shows my age i remember having one of these where it's in a suitcase itself mm-hmm. and it says on it like in it like in tape like masking tape cold shack yes. his name on it i, I thought mm-hmm. that was a great little detail yeah. they had on there um and it's and, weird because it's like they act like um it's it's almost very sinister like they they made uh, gale disappear yes that was a weird that's i mean can you can you do? I mean, the the weird thing. I just had a scene playing here where he goes he goes to talk to Gail in the casino, and she's sitting at a table knitting. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's like you know, and it's like we she's an undesirable element. She was knitting. Yeah. How how under I what? You know, she's not one of Hell's grannies. What are you doing to her? You know, it's 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 just it's just so weird to see like uh, we don't want that kind of undesirable element here. Well, you know, I don't know exactly what it is Gail does. She may be involved in the naughty side of things, but it yeah, is they never Vegas. They specify it, do they? Mm-mm. Not, not, not that I can see. No. Like, was she like a car dealer, or was she a showgirl, or yeah. they never really? He just says at one point, "I wish you would stop working nights." Mm-hmm. Which, of course, yeah, you know, it, Vegas is twenty-four-seven, so yeah, it'd be anything. Um, and I, I do love the fact that this is. This is seedy Vegas. This is pre yes. uh, pre Disneyfication of, of Vegas. Yes. Yeah. This is so good. everything looks kind of sleazy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and this is um uh this this is sort of Vegas. Where, yeah, where you get there's a vampire on the loose. And a year or two before this, they made a they made a film called The Mummy and the Curse of the Jackal. Yes. Um, yes, with with uh, Anthony Isley. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has a sequence with a guy dressed as a really goofy mummy. And another guy um, as a jackal man wandering down like the the strip of Vegas, and people not really paying that much attention, you know. Why would you? True, true. Um, so, so that's the kind of Vegas we're in, folks. It's kind of sleazy. It's kind of seedy, and there are vampires and mummies and jackalmen running around, and Car- Carol Lindley. Uh, you know, so um, but I, I always thought I always thought when you see her knitting, I always thought like she's on break. That that was my because you don't go to a casino, and knit, and if you're knitting yeah. at a casino, you're probably I would think you're probably working there, and you're on like a break or your lunch. That's what I always thought. But <laughs> well, I mean that's what makes sense. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like, what else is she gonna do? I guess read the paper or something. You know, um... I, would, I would love if she was knitting him a suit. <laughs> a yarn suit, suit <laughs> a big yarn suit I got, like the uh, the it would it maybe end with him like um like going back to like going back to his apartment or or like in the end when you you know when you see him telling this listening to his story like maybe he like opens a suitcase and to sort of his last thought of her he pulls out like this knitted suit and you see him smile at it and set it back <laughs> in there or, or maybe she's uh you know like basket weaving him a new hat. <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. He says, not so much on the brim this time, please, please. Um, I uh, oh let let me ask the question that I had, and if you have yes. this question also, or if you have the answer to this question and I just missed it, um, and and then after I ask the question, I'll mention something I noticed that was a little weird, um. And actually put on the commentary on the Blu-ray with Tim Lucas on it to see if he mentions mm-hmm. something about it. I tried not to listen to the comment. I listened to it when I got the, the disc, like maybe a year ago, but I didn't listen to it again now because I didn't want to um, 
repeat something he may have said, thinking it was something I said, sort of thing. Um, but uh, but my my one question, the answer, Carl's question is, why did they cremate the bodies? My question is, what did they do with the woman who was tied to the bed? That is a good question because um, she's a, she's a clearly alive and well. Well, when the we question see her. is, did he bite her? Because we do see a wound on her neck. Yes. Mm. But I, I wasn't uh, – I need uh, – I really should have paid more attention. Um, I didn't know if that IV was attached to her arm or her neck. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. And, and the IV, was that putting blood in her? I know. Uh, he, he was – you know, like, the, like Carl says, she was his own personal blood bank. Okay, because – um, so he could that way he wouldn't have to go out as often mm -hmm. if he just kept like you know quote unquote milking her I guess mm -hmm. um, which by the way that scene is so disturbing it is because yeah. not only does she look absolutely terrified but also kind of like the way they did the makeup and she looks emaciated and yes. you see all the bottles of blood and then the, the, the makeshift IV and everything like that it, it's absolutely creepy yeah it's 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 a, it's a... It's weird because I actually have it playing here right now, and I thought for a brief second, I thought I'm just going to nobody move, nobody move. This is all exciting here. Listen to me fast forward and rewind through. Because <laughs> here, so here he enters the, and I'm just looking and he enters. Okay, yeah, yeah I guess I'm, I'm trying to see because yeah, he has the bottle and he's hooking that up and he's got the, you know, for a split second when I was watching it this time, I thought he was putting blood in her. Mm. I, I know he's. Why would he be? Why would he be doing that? But for a split second, I thought the bottle he was bringing up was one from the fridge that was full. Ah. Uh. And, and and but then I thought, why would he be doing that? Maybe he's a weirdo. Maybe maybe he thinks if I put blood, someone else's blood into you, you'll become a vampire. Maybe he doesn't understand the way it works. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, um, one of the things I really liked. With uh, Barry Atwater, who's Yano Skorzeny, the vampire, um, we haven't really mentioned him. Uh, he never speaks once in the entire film. He growls. You know, you get a little bit of the, you know, mm -hmm. kind of sound or whatever. But he never speaks, and I think that makes him even creepier. Because this was the time. I mean, Count Yorga had a bit of sass. Sure. Blackula with Blackula was William Marshall, for heaven's sake. But he, this is just a pure full-on deranged crazy vampire oh yeah it just it, it, it reminded me of in uh barlow and salem's lot as well oh, yeah. that you know he didn't speak now in the book he uh, he did speak but uh they had him not speak for the film and i thought that made him creepier yes yes there there's something you can get like the you know you can have like your sexy vampire your suave vampire and then other vampires are just more like animals and and I and I kind of I kind of prefer that sort of vampire myself, although it is nice to see like in say Fright Night, for example. I was uh, just gonna great, say Fright Night. Yeah, is is a great example of how to use that vampire sort of well. And I mean, I guess Love at First Bite too, but that's a comedy <laughs> technically. <laughs> um, um, but there there is there is just something about um, you know you can either get the, the you know the suave or the sexy vampire, um, you know who who creates a coven of lovely ladies around like um michael nori's character in curse of dracula and cliffhangers you know yes. you can have a, you can have like that or you have something like this where he's basically almost like just an animal now he's 
you know, pretty he's pretty intelligent the way he's got everything set up, but he's more or less like um like a superhuman animal who's just who's just almost all his time is spent either sleeping or making sure he's got a stock of blood nearby. It doesn't seem like that great an existence though. It doesn't seem so hot. Yeah, I don't know. You would think the sexy vampire would be having more fun. Probably, yeah. You know, I I guess I guess you'd want to be the vampire. Maybe that's why he's so angry. He's like, man, if I only looked like Chris Sarandon or Michael Norrie or just someone, even George Hamilton, you know. If I, but I'm I look like Barry Atwater. Yeah, and I've got yeah. these eyes and just. You know, Chris Sarandon was having a good time. Yes, exactly. he enjoyed being a vampire. He he mm-hmm. he, you know, he was a sexy guy with his double knit sweaters and yes uh you know getting the ladies and barry atwater was just kind of like living in a crappy little abandoned Mm -hmm. house and uh yeah yeah it's it's and and there's something too about you know there's never there's never a scene here where like kolchak and the vampire like there's never like an encounter scene you know like like a james james bond meeting the villain you know and having a discussion because he doesn't speak it's just it's just you know you, you it's just an attack. It's a fight to the death. <laughs> the moment you know he sees Kolchak in his house, yeah. you know. So there's there's something about that that's um um it's it's more I don't know if visceral is the word, but more immediate than like maybe meeting with the vampires like oh Mr. Kolchak, welcome to my home. Mm, yes, have you met my brides? You know this is just a guy who's growling and you know put him in the sun. He doesn't look well at all. And he's just, you know, he's just, um, it's just a fight. I, I, I think, I think I do like that. That it's sort of the moment, you know, the moment the vampire re- realizes Kolchak is there and it comes after Kolchak, it's a fight to the death. There's yeah, and I, I like the fact that it, because he doesn't speak, he he really is, you know, the other. Mm-hmm. He's not. If you'd spoken, then you're more like, oh, he's kind of like a uh, like a human. He yeah. just sucks blood. Like, no, 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 because he doesn't speak at all. And he hisses, uh, you know. I I, I think uh, I think that actually works to the film's advantage. Yeah, it's it's a good movie, folks. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. I think uh, I think you should all go out and see it right now. Yeah, I I, I think that uh, if you're gonna watch this and and the sequel, The Night Strangler, get those Kino Blu-rays. Yes, please. They're reasonably priced. I think they're only mm-hmm. like. 14 bucks or something like that. Yeah, like that. 15 bucks, yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and and you will uh you you're going to see a lot of um lot lot of depth, a lot of color. Um you'll see a lot of white guys with kind of red faces. Um <laughs> that's that's just some white guys for you. That, that's good. that's what happens. Um but uh yeah, I um did you have anything I mean, we could keep on talking forever, but do you do you have anything else that you wanted to to bring up about this? Um I think the only other thing I can think of is that uh Bob is it Bob Cobert or Cobert who did the music? Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a great score yes. that he does for yeah. both these two films. And mm-hmm. um, now when they did the series, I know I believe it was Gil Malay, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But and so they're both they're different themes, but they both work so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The music the music is fantastic throughout it. It's it's just one of those um, it's it's just one of those rare movies where like everything kind of comes together and it was just right. And for like 74, 75 minutes, yeah. <laughs> it's very 70s, but, it, you know, it works. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's part of the joy of it, too. And, and like I said before, keep that in mind. Like, don't don't be that jerk. Don't be the, <laughs> it's the 70s guy. Don't be that idiot. <laughs> 
go into it with an open mind. You don't need much context. They're not going to, they don't go, you know, they don't go, um, you know, there are no bits in it that you, you really have to, there's no history that you have to know. All you really have to know is like maybe some vampire stuff, but then you don't even really have to know that because they handle that too. So, um, I think, I think, yeah, let's, let's wrap this up and, and, I, I guess Tim, if you if you if you don't have anything else on this one, where can we find you online or anywhere? Where are you? Are you all right? Oh, uh, much like David Lynch, I'm in the air. Um, yeah, <laughs> or on the air. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm on uh, our, a podcast. It's about B films uh, called Beauty the Beast and the Bees with my co-host Kelly Hogaboom. Um, we're on iTunes and SoundCloud, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And um, right now we're going to be recording our next episode where we cover the Vince Vaughn film Freaky, uh, the immortal classic that I know you've already covered, uh, Pieces, Yay. and the Mario Bava classics Black Sabbath. Mm. So uh, nice. we've got a fun show coming up um, probably nice. around the time that this comes out. So. Oh, cool. Yay. Um, so uh, that is the Night Stalker everyone and i'm just gonna uh well we don't go anywhere from here the episode's over it's we're just talking about the night stalker so thank you again tim for joining me and um uh we will be back next time with the night strangler talk to you soon (laughs) 